0: You put a woman back against the wall. Do it on my own. Do it on my own. What you think she gonna do? Do it on my own. I know what I'm gonna do. Do it on my own. Welcome to episode 7 of Mommy and Wild Black, hosted by me, LT. As you know, I hail from New Orleans, but I'm currently residing in Houston, Texas. I'm the mother to a four-year-old prince who's currently not feeling well and under the weather. So you might hear me eating on this video, and that's just because I have not eaten. I've been tending to him. Um, As you know, on this podcast, we talk about raising children 24-7, 365, unorthodox, is normal here, sis. Um, You know, we always cover the butterfly effects of everything from relationships, health, spirituality, and self-worth. But on today's episode, we're going to talk about teaching while Black. Um, In particular, my guest is also a mother, but we're going to talk about what that looks like um, in these schools as children are returning back to schools after 15 to 18 months of essentially virtual learning. Uh, We're going to talk about what that looks like. Also, just the whole dynamic of what that looks like going back in the midst of a second wave of a pandemic in particular a wave that is targeting um the most vulnerable people outside of the elderly and that is children with the delta variant so my guest uh let me go ahead and welcome her her name is jamie she is a elementary school educator she is from california recently relocated uh, or recently moved to Dallas from Memphis where she was teaching for quite a while. Uh, She is the mother of four children and I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh, you
1: just did the honors for me. Yes, I am from California, just relocated to the Dallas Fort Worth area with my husband I have four children. My oldest is a, my daughter. She is fourteen, getting ready to turn fifteen. Wow! And my last three are all boys. So, so I have an eight-year-old, three, and one and a half-year-old.
0: And um, how? Tell us, uh, how long have you been teaching?
1: Yes, yeah, so I have been a fully licensed. Teacher. This
0: is my seventh year, but I've been in education for 10 years. So this will be my 10th year. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. So, um, first thing before we sort of jump into it, I kind of just want to delve into your background just a little bit. Um, so, we both, at some points, not at the same time, attended LSU for undergrad. Did you know that you wanted to be a teacher or wanted to go into that field when you were there?
1: Um, I've always known that I wanted to work with children. I was always indecisive between uh, social work or um, teaching. So um, I've always been that kid who will be, you know, pretending like she's a teacher standing up with you. You know, brothers and sisters acting like you're teaching them something. Mm-hmm. I were two Teddy Bears. I will always love writing on the board in school. You know, little stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I always knew I wanted to work with kids. But um, it wasn't until I actually started working at my daughter's school as an after-school educator is when I was finally
0: like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. So. Nice. And yeah. I know we said that you are an elementary school educator. What grade are you teaching? First grade. Okay. And have you been teaching first grade um, the entire time? Your entire tenure as a teacher so far?
1: Yes. So I've actually, so yes and no. Yes, because um, yes, I taught first grade. This will be my seventh year. But one school year, um, I actually wanted to switch from first grade and try kindergarten. And because I felt like I was getting kind of bored with the first grade curriculum, I kind of knew it, you know, by the back of my hand. And I was kind of getting, you know, bored. So I'm like, you know what, let me switch it up a little bit. I know I don't want to teach higher than second grade because first, math, I'm not a math person. Second, um, I don't know, the older kids, you know, that's a whole nother. <laughs> so I'm like, kindergarten through second grade, that's my niche. So, um, one year I was able to, my principal finally let me go down to kindergarten, and that's another thing. You don't always get to choose the grade you want to teach, but my principal mm-hmm. needed a kindergarten teacher and, um, you know, I told her I was interested and she was like, you know, we actually need a lead teacher for that grade, and, you know, we've been here the last five years, I thought it would be per- uh, perfect for the position. So I was able to go to kindergarten, and that year, of course, the year when I finally switched grades, there was low enrollment, so in kindergarten, of course, there were not enough students for to five teachers. We would have like 10 to 12 kids in each class, and that's just too low. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, perfect for me as a teacher, but as an organization, of course, they're like, no, you don't have enough kids. So instead of firing a kindergarten teacher, they actually needed another first grade teacher because there were a lot more first graders. So, of course, me being the most experienced with first grade as a kindergarten teacher, I had to move back to first grade. So I only was able to teach kindergarten for a couple of months I was really sad but ever since then it's been first grade so this will be my eighth year teaching first grade if you count my teacher residency which is a program where you're getting your license to become a teacher I also taught first grade
0: then. nice 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 thanks for that background I appreciate that obviously you know we're going to kind of move around a little bit so as you all know on mommy and wild black i uh do not let the guests know what i am intended to ask them i want the conversations to be raw organic and authentic um so just to confirm jamie um have i asked you any questions have we talked about anything
1: nope
0: all right so let's get into it obviously you know i'm gonna come with some heavy questions um, definitely feel free. I know that you are a teacher. Um, I'm not, of course, expecting you to speak on behalf of teachers everywhere. Um, but I do want to kind of jump into that. So the first thing I want to talk about is you are a teacher in Dallas. Um, I live in Houston, Texas, uh, and we are in a state where the governor is a complete idiot. My words, not yours. Um, and so, uh, I'm going to try to, not call this man what i call him in my regular conversations but um he has decided in his infinite wisdom that um there's no you know you don't have to wear masks in schools um there's no mask mandate uh that there's no requirement for you to i'm essentially guessing it's more along the lines of contact tracing Um, usually in schools, right, your child gets sick or if a child gets sick in the class, you'll walk up to the class, there's usually a note or something outside or maybe you'll get something in your mail that, hey, a student in the class has chicken pox, you know, making you aware of that. And my understanding is, is that now you don't have to let people know that students in the class have COVID if somebody does have COVID. Furthermore, if they do have COVID, they're still allowed to go to school as long as they're, quote, not exhibiting any symptoms which the whole pandemic asymptomatic people seem to be the the main concern so my first question to you um as a mother of four a wife right um and as an educator are you do you feel safe um in school as safe as you know in terms of returning back to school
1: that is a great question. Do I feel safe? I would say, honestly, first thing that came to mind was no. Why do I say no? Because coming back to school, they were treating this as if COVID is non-existent. We have full classes. They say three feet apart, but guess what? We don't have space to have each kid three feet apart. Um, like you said, there is no mask mandate. So we are not able to make the children wear masks. Um, if a kid comes to school with no mask on, we can't force them to put one on. Um, so, yeah, I feel like, you know, we had a meeting actually with the nurse to kind of go over the COVID stuff. And she was pretty much like, we can't force the kids to wear masks. Um, when school first went back in session, in session late last year, you know, part of the requirement to come into the school building were temperature checks. Guess what? There's no temperature checks. There's no mask requirements. So we're really just walking in blind. You don't know who's sick. And of course, everybody, you know, you hear people cough, you automatically think COVID. But, you know, me being a mom with young children, I've taken my children to the doctors numerous times, you know, throughout this pandemic. And half the time, it's an ear infection, it's a regular virus, it's a regular cold. So we're not only dealing with COVID by itself, we're also dealing with all the regular, and i say regular because, you know, they're the most common issues among children, but now we don't know what is what. Um, So, yeah, I definitely feel like it's definitely not a safe environment. Okay. get vaccinated, but, I mean, that's another... Topic right
0: there right obviously and, and and that's a great point to bring up right because currently right now um, my child is in uh is in speech therapy um and there's talk around whether or not it's permissible acceptable um taboo right to ask hey have you been vaccinated or not um in my Opinion. I believe that me asking, if I had a business asking whether or not you are vaccinated, you're, you know, you can tell me honestly, whether that's a yes or a no, and then we'll adjust accordingly. You know, if I think that you're the best candidate for this position, the mere fact that you've not been vaccinated is not going to be a reason why I would not offer you the position. However, you would have to, you know, take additional precautions um, such as wearing masks. But my personal belief is you should be wearing a mask, whether you're vaccinated or not. That's my own personal belief. But um, for a lot of individuals, I know that they got the, the vaccine so that they could not have to wear a mask. Right. So definitely wow. keeping that, you know, at the forefront of my mind, it's like, hey, if you're not vaccinated, then you should be wearing a mask. Um, now, obviously, like we just talked about, there is no mask mandates or anything like that. But one thing that you did bring up, um, and I want to talk about this in particular, and then we'll take a, a brief break. Um, so, you know, when when I remember when the pandemic first started, everything got shut down in March um, in Houston. And then they tried to resume schools, I think, again in May, which wasn't a go. Um, at the school where my son attends or attended um however when they when when the fall semester started and some could go back to school and they had to make a choice whether they wanted to do in person or virtual um the student ratio was one to i think initially it started out one to 12 then it went to one to 20 um and now you know and, and, and to their point when i think about what the average kindergarten class looks like or first grade class or any of those classes even head start you know when we're talking about the number of children you have in a class there that's great a great point you make there is no space to put them three feet apart i mean even when they're taking a nap even if you do head to to toes that's still not enough room you know um um enough space where for a child not to potentially become infected by a peer um so i in elementary school i would imagine you know these children are really really smart really bright but do you are are you in a class where you have like additional like a, a another teacher there to assist like let's say for instance you know making sure that the kids are washing their hands sanitizing their stations or their desk areas or wherever they are like um are you finding yourself having to uh, you know, bear those that that burden as well. Yes,
1: there's definitely no one coming around to help. Um, I have my own full cabinet. Um, uh, disinfectant wipes, um, hand sanitizer, off spray. I have all that. No one is saying, okay, everyone, time to disinfect. We've been in class for three, four hours. You know, disinfect It's all up to the teacher. So if I'm a teacher who don't really believe in the mask mandate or you know cleaning there some teachers might not be on it like that and they're we're not forced to do that they're not saying every so often you have to disinfect me myself i do that at the end of the, each day everybody i give everybody they uh, disinfecting wipes they clean it down their tables a lot of schools are having kids you know use hand sanitizer when they come in out of the bathroom or something like that. No, we're washing our hands. So it's really, you know, individualized. It depends on how clean and how worried that teacher is. But for me, we do it multiple times a day, like especially at the end of the day, beginning of the day, and after lunch. Um, I do do that. Okay. So, um, there's no one coming around to help. There's no one saying, okay, we're sanitizing the questions right now. There's none of that. Even,
0: like I said earlier, with the kids wearing the mask, like, we can't force them to do so. And so, in that, in that, uh, I'll ask this last question um, in this piece. So, in that, in that same um, sentiment, if you will, there's a, a real life concern when you get ready to leave from there every day and go home to your your husband, your children, where you could possibly, potentially... You know, pass something on to them because now the radius is wider, right? When we were quarantining, it we're just in our little pods with our little family, you know, and and limiting our interactions with other individuals, whether they're vaccinated or not. Um, And so now that's you know different. So do you have a process when you go home? Like I've talked to some people where they're like, oh yeah, I take off everything at the door, throw it all in the washer, immediately take a shower before I do anything.
1: Um, definitely, and you know what, when you say, you know, my radius is bigger as far as, like, being concerned, because I'm a teacher, and I'm around, like, I have a lot of students in my classroom, not only is it math students, but my kids are school age, so they're also around other kids,
0: Mm. and this year, they're
1: not even offering a virtual option, everyone is in person, so, when me and my kids get home, it's wash your hands, take off your uniform, You know, change your clothes. Um, We don't necessarily necessarily immediately get out, get in the shower because, I mean, they're little. We have dinner; it will be a whole nother mess. Right. I do make sure you know we change, wash hands, and do all that stuff as soon as we get out the car. Got it.
0: Got it. Put
1: the clothes in the washer. You
0: know, stuff like that. Got it. All right. Well, we're gonna take a brief break right here, and we will be back in just a moment. Welcome back. Um, So let's pick up where we dropped off, Jamie. You made a mention that um, your radius is even bigger now because your children are also school-aged children that are in school and they do not have a virtual option. So let me flush through that for a second because I was not aware of that. So last year, there was an option if you were your child was returning to school that you could return back virtual or in person for X amount of weeks, nine weeks, 12 weeks, whatever that was. And then if you wanted to switch it, switch it. So now there is not an option. So if you don't want your child, like, let's say you're a parent who's like, look, you know, I've lost some family members to COVID, or maybe you didn't. Um, but you have, you know, some kind of, let's say, God forbid, some kind of autoimmune thing or your immune system is not where it needs to be. Um, so you don't want to take those chances. Uh, your child essentially isn't going to school. Your your only option is to homeschool them. Right.
1: Yeah. As far as my district and as far as other places, I know, um, there is no virtual option. Everything is in person. Mm. So if you want your kid to stay home, I'm assuming you have to, you know, do your own research and choose a homeschool program for them to continue, um, their
0: education at home. Okay.
1: Um. Yeah, and even last year, I want to point out when we did return, when, you know, the kids, the families got an option. Do you want to continue virtual or do you want to come to the classroom? Hey. Those kids who were in the classroom, it was still virtual, essentially, because they were at their desk, but there was, the teacher was still teaching through the computer. So when I went back... Mm. I had about six kids in my classroom, and surprisingly enough, surprisingly, a lot of parents did not want their, to send their kids to school. I think it was mostly the parents who really needed that time or if they were working to send their kids to school, but I only had six kids. But each of those kids, they, of course, we could do, you know, six feet apart. Back then, it's just six kids in the class, but they were on the computer, they were had their headphones on the whole time it was just like they were at home they were just in the classroom on the computer wow like
0: i yeah. did not know that i did not know that wow yeah. so
1: like we we could like we it was literally no interaction with the kid it was just like like if they raised their hands i didn't call on them from the computer from the classroom i literally called on them like in the computer like they didn't look at me like anything like that they were
0: on your screen in the, in the classroom, wow, yeah, okay. So, I want to touch on two things in particular. Um, the two things that I want to touch on are, um, first, uh, I want to talk about maybe the elephant in the room, right? So, l- talking about this, I and I talked about this a while ago that, um, millions, millions, thousands of people, millions in some areas, some parts of the world. People have lost their jobs. It's huge and significant in the United States, right? Because we have a lot of people that were um getting uh unemployment benefits, right? Trying to, you know, a lot of jobs did cut back, uh, especially in, you know, um spaces that are not deemed essential, right? Right. And so they've they've gotten rid of those individuals. Um I mean we most recently we're seeing the impacts with airlines, right? Where Hundreds of flights are being canceled and it's for a lack of pilots to fly those those planes. Right. So my thing is, is I would imagine that the education industry is not, you know, is not, you know, above that. Right. Has not come out of that situation unscathed. There have probably been some teachers that have been told not to return. Um, teachers that have decided on their own not to return. for some of the reasons we talked about, right? No mask, no, you know, putting their own, you know, they might be responsible for other individuals who um, are in a vulnerable population. Um, so my question here is, is I have a real life concern about the type of education or exposure my child may be getting going back to school, right? But they may not have, you know, the classes may be overcrowded, right? You got 30 to 40, you know, students in a classroom, one teacher. Uh, whereas before the pandemic, there were three teachers, two at any given time in the day. So um, so to go from that to one teacher who's responsible for 30 to 40 students, again, no social distancing in that space, or, you know, um, no teachers, right? So. Um, I've heard some stories in school literally just started, but I've been hearing some stories about, um, you know, parents dropping their kids off the first day of school and there's no teacher, right? Um, because they have not hired yet for a teacher, or maybe they didn't think that they were going to have the enrollment that they thought they were going to have, which kind of makes me raise an eyebrow now listening to the fact that, you know, there are some places in this country where, you don't have an option for your child to have virtual. So I would expect it to be a lot of students since they all got to come. What has been your experience in that? And then should, do do you think um, in your personal or professional opinion, that that is something that we should be concerned about as parents, sending our children to school, some of us sending them for the first time ever, you know, to kindergarten. Right. So with my experience
1: at my teachers that you know I communicate with. Um, there is definitely a teacher shortage. I don't think uh, principals are getting rid of teachers if teachers are not returning to the classroom. Um, there have been some instances to where school has started and like you said there's no teacher. Um, so schools have been doing things like hiring TAs and having TAs leave the class they find uh, a teacher Um, there there's gonna be someone in the classroom but they might not be a certified teacher I have heard that there are no applications so it's not like the schools aren't hiring for teachers they literally have nobody applying Mm. I think one is from the pandemic like you said it should be an option not only are people like teachers are people too And I don't think people understand that. Like, we have our lives. We have responsibilities. And some teachers really don't feel safe coming back to the classroom. So they are doing other things. Um, It's definitely a teacher shortage. Um, What else? As far as in-person or virtual, if parents have a choice, parents definitely should have a choice. If I work somewhere, and I could, I don't know, see, for me as a teacher, I'm torn the term subject as virtual teaching and in-person teaching. Working with the little kids, I feel like they need that person in the classroom, showing them how to do this, showing them how to do that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, as a mom, as a wife, as, you know, an aunt, and, you know, having different responsibilities, I feel like, dang, I wish I could work from home. You know, because not everyone's vaccinated the kids can't even get vaccinated and now this new variant is affecting the kids one kid come into the classroom and could potentially you know spread the disease to everybody in there mm-hmm. so as far as virtual well what i would tell parents is do your research because each school has their plan if your child is at a district or a school where their protocols you don't like, if they're not having kids three feet apart, if they are having the water fountain open for kids to use, you know, that's a big one. Little kids don't know how to drink out of a water fountain. What they do? Put their whole mouth on
0: it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Are, the, are the teachers, you know, certified in the classroom? How many kids are in the classroom? Um, all those questions. There are plenty of programs online. I know you probably see commercials where you can, you know, homeschool. If you're in a position to where you're able to homeschool and the teacher is actually teaching and not just uploading work for them to do, that's something else to consider. Because when I was teaching 100% virtual, I had a full day. I was online with these kids from eight o'clock to three thirty. Mm-hmm. I was teaching lessons every block. There are some schools where the teacher only had to be live for an hour a day. There are some schools where the teacher just uploaded an assignment and that was that was it. They didn't actually teach the kids. They just logged them to whatever platform they were using google docs, Google classroom and completed assignments. How they you to know how to do the assignments if you didn't teach them how to do it? There are some districts who allow a teacher to pre-record themselves teaching a lesson and then up-open it so that the kid has access whenever they are able to. You know, if you're at home with your kids, you gotta go to work. Maybe you have to drop them off at the auntie house. Auntie might not have Wi-Fi so they might not be able to get to the assignments until they're back at home.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think that's
1: a good option too. You know, at least having the lessons uploaded because it's not the kid's fault. So, that would be my suggestion. Because in-person is not always the right answer. And virtual is always the right answer. So, ask those questions for sure.
0: Okay, fair enough. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, I do want to get into something um, that is a concern. But this is going to be a deeper topic. Um, and so one of the huge things that you know is that just statistically speaking and it's no secret african-american minorities but african-american children in particular tend to test poorly on standardized tests around the country um having spent some point of whether that's six months to 18 months quarantined or in virtual learning and things like that i am often reminded, um, or very aware of the fact that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how many, you know, how this impacts us in the long run, right. Um, as a race, you know, um, as citizens, um, you know, just, just whether or not, you know, they'll graduate, what what will happen on that regard. Um, one of the things that I do want to get into, is um this thing about black teachers so you're back in school right now um i don't know how many teachers are at your school but are the but are the majority of those teachers black or are they you know caucasian are they other um what are you seeing Mostly black at your school. Okay, um, what about, let's let's talk about in general over your past eight years, what has that been like?
1: Um, for me, I would say it might be different for, you know, the average teacher. I am one who tends to work in the inner city schools and because um, I'm one of those teachers who are like, I want to give back to the type of community that I grew up in. You know? mm-hmm. So I am one who you know, choose to work in, like, the inner-city schools, which, which are usually more black and Hispanic. So, there are a lot of, you know, black teachers. But, um on the other hand, um, thinking about my son, who went to our neighborhood school where we live, there was probably two black teachers, and everyone was white at the school. Mm. So... I think it's that dynamic, and um, I've also worked for charter schools. You know, they typically tend to be more diverse as opposed to, you know, the private schools or the district schools. Those are mostly white as well. I have a friend here in the Dallas Fort Worth area who, um, a black male teacher and you know black male teachers are also kind of a rarity but Mm -hmm. he says like within his whole district and I mean hundreds of schools there are maybe 10 black teachers so it really depends on the school and the area where it is but my school this year is mostly black women um but it's, it's a mix we have um a hispanic Two Hispanic teachers and maybe like four or five white teachers. Um, But yet, the director or principal, she's black, and the assistant is white. So it's pretty mixed at my school, but it is mostly black. And the student, the population is mostly black and Hispanic.
0: Okay. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, just to kind of give you an idea so you can kind of get your wheels going in your mind. Um, I am gonna. I want to delve into um, this idea of black students being paired with black teachers. Right. Um, I want to get it jump a little bit around uh, talking about school to prison pipeline. But right now we're going to go ahead and take a break and we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. welcome back all right so let's jump into it i want to talk about black students being paired with black teachers like you said black male teachers are a rarity man um it's like seeing an endangered species somewhere um literally because black men are endangered species but i digress um all right, so one of the things is, is a major thing for me and something that I, I talked about a lot um, in law school, a lot in critical race theory classes, is the idea of this school-to-prison pipeline. Um, I was recently looking at um, a study uh, that talked about the long-run impacts of same-race teachers, and pretty much what it was talking about was that um, Black primary school students when they're matched to, you know, a same race teacher, right? So black students match with black teachers, paired with black teachers. They tend to perform better on standardized tests and face more favorable teacher perceptions, right? Which in the long run, you know, stops that whole idea of them you know, being called or uh, sent to detention, sent to suspension, things like that, because obviously that follows them in their file. And, you know, by third grade, it's already determined whether or not they're going to be in that school to prison pipeline. Um, additionally, some of the things that were discussed uh, in that particular article was the facts that, um, that uh, especially for males that if um, males had at least one black teacher between grades three and five, that significantly reduced their probability of dropping out of high school. And we're talking about black students in low socioeconomic backgrounds, right? And so it dropped them by um, seven percentage points, which, you know, came out to be 39%. Um, Just to be fair for girls, right? um, They did not find any significant effects. But just statistically speaking, right? Women, females right we tend to mature faster than boys right tend to be somewhat smarter than boys and tend to see things through right when we started all the way to the end more than males um but that does not fall light on me um that whole discussion right and so where those black students have black teachers you know they're less likely to experience you know that type of discipline um, you know having to go to the office that school to prison pipeline thing or just not um, coming to school right they tend to graduate um, so I, my question to you having said that is do you how crucial is it for there to be more black teachers Um, it's very crucial I think it's
1: definitely important and it definitely makes an impact um, a lot of times with teaching is not if you're a great teacher. You can sit up, sit up there and lecture your whole class and think you did great, but if they're not paying attention or if they don't have a connection with you, it goes over their hood. So the biggest part about teaching is being able to communicate and connect and have a positive classroom culture with your students.
0: If mm-hmm. students are happy in your classroom uh-huh. and
1: if they can relate to you, that's when the learning starts
0: being culturally sensitive
1: exactly and then a lot of times it's just like oh does the teacher you know know how to speak to this kid you know in a certain kind of way but it goes it's deeper than that even just looking at the curriculum if students can't see themselves in the curriculum what makes them want to read some books about people they they have no idea what they're talking about about giving examples in the classroom about places they've never been. I'm that type of teacher. Like, if you look at my classroom library, you will see little black and brown boys and girls on the cover. Um, I'm actually excited because the school I'm teaching at this year, curriculum, you know, and the books that I have to read to the kids are like that hmm you know it's little kids little black boys little black girls hispanic people like they're they're excited about that they want to see themselves in those books and they want to see themselves being growing up and being a teacher
0: so you know it's, go, ahead. go ahead no i'm sorry go ahead no i'm just
1: gonna say you know just being that role model and seeing that is definitely important and that's why i feel like you should definitely
0: I I read also where um, it said that uh, Black students tend to want to perform better because they believe that their teacher, right, when they have a Black counterpart uh, or a Black teacher, that they are they're expected more out of them, right? The teacher's expecting more out of them and they want to achieve and meet that expectation. But you brought up something when you talked about being culturally sensitive and why would students want to learn when they don't see themselves in the curriculum, they don't see themselves in the books, they don't see that, which makes me digress from my next question I was going to ask and segue over here to critical race theory, right? So... There's this whole debate about um, critical race theory being under attack in the United States. Um, Obviously, with George Floyd, that started a whole thing. You turn around, Dante Wright, you look around, you see Breonna Taylor, all of these different things going on, right? And critical race theory is a huge piece of that. Um, In the midst of George Floyd, you saw a lot of corporations, a lot of businesses, um, a lot of places trying to figure out how they can have these conversations, right? Um, doing, doing diversity training, talking about implicit bias, things like that. And so there became a thing where, Hey, critical race theory needs to be taught in schools. And the overwhelming majority of the people that are in disagreement with this seem to be white people. Um, and I, there's no need to know about that. Uh, I wasn't a slave owner, you know, I not wanting to take on any responsibility for, you know, what their ancestors or what this country has done and continues to do to black people, black bodies, um, black families. Um, so critical race theory, um, you know, just so that the listeners can know, is this whole ideology of how American racism has shaped public policy has shaped the judicial system right um has shaped public discourse about black individuals right in terms of medical treatments whether they can feel pain um etc what the family dichotomy should look like right um and so uh and and what we want to do is have a discourse about that right what that is not ignore that it happened um and a lot of times these white white individuals are arguing that having this kind of discourse in schools is corrosive um is divisive um is um you know evil and it's essentially putting black and white people against each other the the things that we've said have always happened right they're they're now saying that hey that you know, by doing this, this is going to create that. Um, do you have any thoughts on critical race theory being taught in schools? I don't know. It's
1: such a heavy topic. You know, it's just like, um, first it definitely should be taught for sure. Like what was it? Tennessee and Texas both ruled that you cannot be, um, well, it was some law that they just passed and you can't talk about racism or you can't talk about the Ku Klux Klan about being some type of um, that organization or something within your classroom. I don't know. The problem is it needs to be taught in schools because first of all, parents aren't teaching it at home. You know, mm-hmm. um, like you said, most of the people who are affected by it are those who are like, oh, that was in the past. That didn't happen. Things like that don't exist. Oh, well we all know that's not true. um there definitely needs to be some type of like you know is there are ways to explain things and it's also based on the age level and how deep you go into it as well it's it's such a fine line in schools because like with the whole George Floyd thing there are teachers who talked about it with their class and kids will go home talking about it and their parents are like, what? Y'all talking about that in class and they call in a school and they're complaining and the teacher goes on leave because they show explicit pictures. So it's kind of like, you know, you have to think about the age group for one. You ha- also have to think about um, the maturity of the kids and the, the subject that you're speaking of. Um, I think because it's not being taught at home that it should be taught at school. I mean, the average person at home is not learning different math equations at home, but we teach it at school. Why can't we teach things that are real and things, how to be a good citizen, how to control your emotions, things that will help you as a citizen, not just things that are in the book, not just math, not just reading, not just science, but things that makes you a whole person. So I definitely think that it should be taught in schools. How it should be taught in schools
0: I don't know. Like I said, it, I just feel like a, a lot has to go into that. Okay, I um, I re I respect that answer. I appreciate uh, what you said. Um, you definitely think that it should be taught. Um, I I don't want to say I disagree with you slightly. Uh I listened to what you said and my initial thought was, you know, yeah, children might be not may not be exposed to math or, you know, how to formulas, how to how to do those things at home at a certain, you know, at a particular age, but at a base level, right? A lot of, I, I don't know, I'm not a kindergarten teacher, so you may totally be like, No, no, no. They come in and they don't know one plus one is two or or their ABCs no, or, you know, things like that. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is why I think that it's important. Now, I will agree that maybe not at the K level, you know, but at some point in that range of K through 12, there needs to be a discussion about critical race theory, And it needs to be that discussion because you are, you know, we're sending these children when they graduate off to college, right? In a place that should be significantly more diverse than, um, public school systems, charter school systems, even private schools, Montessori, et cetera. Um, and so uh, I, I definitely think that discussion needs to be had. But th- at that point, we've already raised them now from child to adult. And so, you know, th- being able to have that whole view, and I understand what you're saying, like, you know, uh, you, we don't, and I understand what some, you know, what some of the, uh, um opponents to the conversation are saying right you know having them come up with this hatred or quote being unpatriotic and things like that or whatever but i look at it is that anything that goes against the masses anything that goes against what you know, the status quo is, is deemed to be unpatriotic in this country, right? To ask a question is unpatriotic. Um, Ah. You're just supposed to go with the flow, right? Uh, Just take the vaccine, not saying it is right to take the vaccine or not right to take the vaccine, but to question it is unpatriotic. And so my thing is, is that by not having a conversation about it, we're trying to act like it doesn't exist when we are faced with it all the time. And I'm gonna talk in. A, I'm gonna ask you a different question in a little bit. Like you know, even as teachers, um, you're faced with it. You know, n- maybe not you directly, but a lot of teachers are faced with microaggressions, right? In school, in, in, in these environments, right? Microaggressions that they experience because of the color of their skin. Um, so you know, n- uh, not getting the proper credit for the, doing the same work or, or equally um, or even better work, right? Than your white colleagues. Um, or, you know, having a higher passage rate, um, or, or graduation rate, or, uh, you know, the, I, I can't think promotion, right. When they move on to the next grade, um, level than other individuals, um, additionally, uh, not having, you know, having to go into your own pockets and things like that, um, so to me, I, I feel like having that critical race theory discussion is not just a benefit to the students, but also a benefit to the teachers, right? Those Caucasian teachers, white teachers need to be educated about it as well, right? So um, I think that if we're trying to make or you know this world a better place for the next children to come behind us and the next ones after them, we have a duty. You know, a duty to do that. There is no way to escape that. You know that that is what our role is, um and so it I be, feel. It sounds
1: like we both kind of agree that it should be taught. We just don't yeah. know When it should be taught. Exactly. It should be talked about and
0: discussed. Yeah, I agree with that. Topic. Exactly. 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 So, um talking about these microaggressions, right? So, um I know, like I said, I don't want to say that. Uh, or let me say this because i didn't say it not every time that there's some microaggression or something going on or some kind of traumatic experience um that you may go through as a teacher is you know based on your race right um but uh there there have been times where i have talked to individuals I, i i recently last year um a teacher who started and then subsequently after she started i think two weeks into the school year she quit um, and, and, and the whole thing, initially my thought was why I do that? Why I have started? Um, uh, but then the more that I learned there, you know, there was a layer there of these, uh, microaggressions, right. Where you are, you know, you have, you might have more education than your white colleague, but you, they're deemed to be more competent than you, um, or they're making more money than you or you're like I said, the the efforts that they put in are acknowledged more than the efforts you put in and you put in a ton of work. You stayed late, you did those things. Um, having been in multiple different uh, geographic locations during your tenure, have you experienced any of those microaggressions as a black female teacher? Honestly, I can say I have not because
1: like That's I said, most of the schools, I worked with majority black um yeah i really haven't felt like you know one teacher received more credit or more praise because we're white or got more recognition or anything like that so me personally i have not experienced that in the workplace um but also i think maybe it's because of who i worked with
0: Got it. Um, I want to ask you a different question. Feel free to decline to answer the question if you want to. Um, It might be slightly controversial, so I respect it if you decide that you uh, don't want to answer. Do you find that um, white colleagues have a different level of expectations for black students than black teachers do for black students? and and when i say that a different level of expectations lowered expectations right this idea that you know there's a ceiling on how much they're gonna achieve anyway so there isn't really a a focus on that and i recognize too that you're in a different um like you said in in the charter school system so you're in that area but i'm i also don't want to not ask the question because I can also see teachers working in a charter school system where they're like, these these kids are not going to be at whatever level anyway. And, I, and there are some black teachers that do not care about their students enough. That they have just as equally lower expectations of their own black students. And they are black. Um, that's true too.
1: I think it's definitely something that, you know, has happened in the past where people have high expectations just because the kids are black. And especially black, you know, it's, it's hard. Just like, you know, we have our black males out in the streets. And I don't mean in the streets, like, you know, doing bad things, just in the streets of society to where they feel like um, they uh, are at a disadvantage. So mm-hmm. in the classroom it's definitely Definitely like that. Well, um, I think teachers like we always say, you know, all kids. When we teach, we want to teach everyone, and as as our students, we should, everyone should have be taught with high expectations in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me, I want all my kids to see. like there have been times where I'm talking to somebody, I'm like my kids. And, I have to be like, oh, my literal kids, like my kids at home, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. about my kids at school. So, um, I could definitely see, you know, I have heard where some people, and like you said, it's not just the white teachers. Sometimes it's the black teachers too, unfortunately, um, who, you know, don't have those great expectations. They're just there. And that's unfortunately unfortunate, but it does happen. Honestly, it does. Mm-hmm.
0: It is not you know they're biased um so to that point some of those teachers may feel that way um and it has nothing to do with the race of the students but they may feel that way because they themselves are burned out let's talk a little bit about the mental health aspect of being a teacher um especially during this pandemic Um, I know we had talked, uh, just in general, um, full disclosure, mommy and wild black, uh, tribe listening in, this is my best friend. So I do talk to her outside of mommy and wild black, but, um, that being said, we've talked before and, um, you were like, you know, we have a certain day out during the week, uh, where we. I don't remember if it's you don't come in or you just do lesson planning and then, you know, have take a day during the week um, to, you know, I guess, you know, yeah, you more, but... refresh, if you will, or whatever. And I remember when you said something to me like that. And I was like, what the hell is going on in these schools? I was just like, growing up, we went to school Monday through Friday. You didn't have no half days every week. There was no, you know, I don't even remember a fall break growing up, right? We had Thanksgiving, Christmas, you got Mardi Gras. People got spring break, we get Mardi Gras. Um, and, uh, I, you know, just different things like that outside of, you know, Easter and stuff. But, but just like so much time these kids get off. And I'm like, what the hell? And then it's like, oh, the teacher's getting off during the week so they could. I'm like, what? What? But, 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 but. With you know age comes maturity and just this this time we're in because now i look at it like you know teachers the average teacher right is not making you know sixty thousand dollars a year um and so in this country so you know there and you're and you're working a significant amount of hours right because you're working on the weekends you're lesson planning you're grading papers you're checking essays you're doing all this stuff um, parent-teacher conferences, etc., cetera, and all of those things after hours even sometimes. And like you said, you've got you know four children and a husband and you're still having to do these things and you're not being paid for it. And then when you're working on the weekends, when do you have that mental time, right? How do you juggle a family and teaching, right? Because essentially, like you said, you've got two sets of children, right? You've got your children in your class, your children um, at home. And so I wanna talk about the mental health side of that. So if you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, that the weak thing that I was kinda of trying to touch on and then um the mental health aspect of it. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because so many
1: people have this false narrative that being a teacher is just easy and y'all get like you say, you get all this time up. Like, oh what time? Hold up. We have we have to be at school before school. We have to be at school after school. On those top days Teachers don't go home when the kids go home. We have to we the reason why they have those half days is so that we have meetings during that time. Um, this school where I'm teaching at this year has something where, where teachers one Wednesday, which is our half day, uh, out of the month. Okay, school gets out at three thirty. On Wednesdays we get out at two. One Wednesday out of the month. We can go and do whatever we need to do. We don't have to stay at home. There's no meeting. So that's what I was telling you about. Gotcha. It's not that we don't show up or it's not that, you know, uh, we're not at the school. No, you know, you're at school. We just get to leave um, when the kids go home. And speaking of when the kids go home, not all the kids get picked up. Uh, we get out of school at 2 o'clock. The car line doesn't end until
0: 3.30. Ooh.
1: We get out of school at 3.30 on a regular day. Car line don't end until 5 o'clock. We have to make copies. You do that on your lunch break. You do that after school. You do that before school. During the summertime, we come back before school starts. So we don't even get a full, full summer. If you are, if you work a regular job, you work overtime, you get, I mean, you get, you work those eight hours plus, you get overtime. We're on a salary. We don't get overtime. So, being a teacher weighs heavy on a lot. There's not only the planning that we have to teach for our, you know, our students, like me actually up there teaching. The backstory is there's lesson plans that we have to create. Lesson plans that we don't even use, literally typing things from the curriculum to a template to show administration. When I do lesson plans, I don't use those lessons. Me planning for my lesson is going over the book, going over the standard, and preparing my students, meaning getting those worksheets, making those charts that I'm going to use to show my kids, getting vocabulary, getting resources to use while I'm teaching. It's a lot. So, like, the other day, I told my husband, hey, can you take the kids to school? Luckily, they're at the school with me. But I just need so much stuff to do. I I have so much stuff to do. I'm like, can you take them to school so I can get to school an hour before I'm supposed to be? I don't want my kids at school from dusk to dawn because I'm a teacher, you know. Mm-hmm. So as far as mental health, you're not like you said. You know, I'm not only worrying about and planning for 25 kids plus in my classroom. I'm also at home. I also have kids. Also have a husband. Also cook dinner. Also have stuff that I have to take care of. And then even teachers, you know, who don't have kids, you know, they they have to do the work too. And there there could be some teachers who go home and not make no copies. You know, and then when it's time to teach, now now they scramble and don't have the materials that they need. No teacher wants. that You know, you want to be successful because at the end of the day, the goal is for students to grow. The goal is for students to learn as much as they can. So when we get that week off for spring break, I feel like it should be like (laughs) we need even more, more time. And I was upset because this out here, I don't get my fall break. I'm like, fall break? Where my fall break at? What? I need me a fall break. So. I mean, we put in hours, like 10-plus hours every day. So, as a teacher, I'm offended when I hear people say that. Like, we deserve the time. Oh, y'all get the full summer. No, we don't. Four, four to six weeks. in this year, teachers, remember, schools. some schools started later because of the pandemic. So, some people I worked with last year only got three weeks off this summer. They were right back at school. So, it's a lot, and it does weigh... Um, teachers in our mental health because you're juggling so much. You know, imagine having a a 25, 6-year-old in in the classroom. Just think about that. Taking them to lunch. By the time you take them to lunch and walk back to your classroom and then having to go pick them up, 20-minute lunch is a 10-minute lunch. We don't get lunch breaks. We don't clock out. There are times where you have to sit and eat lunch with your kids because of COVID. When COVID started, we, we had to eat in the classroom with our kids for breakfast and for lunch. Where's the break? There is no break. Planning time. When the kids go to like PE, music, and art, that's what we're doing. We're in meetings with the administration. Or you're using that time to prepare for your next lesson. So it's a lot that goes into it that people probably don't really think about.
0: Mm. So that's my spill on that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, but we're going to pick up. I have a question about something you said. So we'll take a brief break and we'll be right back. All right. Thanks for uh, tuning back in. So quick thing I wanted to talk about, um, and we'll be wrapping up here in just a little bit. Um, I want to ask, what can we do as parents to make that experience a little bit easier for you? I can say myself. Whenever uh my son was in school, they would have, you know, I would bring little things from time to time for the teachers just to show appreciation and things like that. Like, hey, um and then when they have teachers appreciation, they do something for all three of the teachers. Um, But, you know, for a lot of people, especially like we said, you know, there are millions that are unemployed or have taken pay cuts. From a financial aspect, it may not always be you know, financially feasible for someone to be able to do something for, um, a teacher. But I do know that a lot of teachers, you know, are digging into their own pockets and have been, you know, for a lot of the time that they've been teaching, paying for school supplies, um, you know, just, just things that are needed, you know, that honestly probably should be supplied by, you know, the schools, in my opinion, again, um, so what can we do to help that mental, you know, our part to prevent from you being so mentally fatigued as parents?
1: That is a great question. I would say keep in contact with your child's future. Just let them know, like, you know, the things that you appreciate You know, like, I had a parent tell me about this little chair that her son went home, you know, trying to teach her because, like, she was just like, oh, my God, he really loves your class. He, you know, was trying to teach me that that chair. And that little, like, piece of affirmation was, like, it made my day. I was just like, oh, my God. And the mom just, like, reached out to me just to tell me that. So, um you know, just show gratitude and appreciation to the teacher. Write a little note. Like you said, not everyone can do something monetary. If you can, ask the teacher what she like. You know, I love giving you a little $5 Starbucks gift card. Target card. You know, here's some pretty uh, marker or something. And then you can also ask the teacher, like, um, honey, is there anything you need for the class? Can I, you know, supply snacks? I don't know about now with COVID, but, you know, a lot of times you would have, like, room mom, they call it, or room parents will, where a parent will come up and volunteer, like, you know, do a job for the teacher, like checking homework or, you know, making copies for that teacher. Like, that can go a long way. So, if, you know, the school is having visitors, that could be something that you can do. Just donate your time, like an hour. You know, go up to the school and help the teacher make copies or things like that. I'm not sure what the protocols protocols are with that these days, but um, I would say that. And then if there are things that are happening at home that may affect your child, like if they've been struggling with something, let the teacher know. It's all about communication. You know, the teacher is supplying like stickers and you know, your, your kid ain't really into stickers. They like little erasers or little, you know, little trinkets. Like let the teacher know, like that's something that's positive that the student could look forward to because I love handing out little treats and get and stuff to my kids um, and that goes a long way with classroom management and like I said being a part of the classroom where you have a positive culture in the classroom goes a long way and when the teacher and the parent is on the same page and you know you're helping your kid with their homework you make sure you're reading to them at night just being involved
0: Got it. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, what's something that you need for your classroom? Something I need for my
1: classroom. So, I just ordered, you know, I'm always ordering stuff on Amazon in my class. Um, <laughs> Something I need, oh, you know what? The little, they have so many little, what do they call them? The little toys that the kids can play with, like the they call you know like the popping toys the sensory toys Mm -hmm. sensory stuff like any of those things are great um stickers are great you know kids love getting a
0: sticker good stuff books um
1: oh and you know what what oh books for my library yes and one thing i will also say a lot of my students like Like I said, I have first grade this year. So their kindergarten year was probably all virtual. Uh, With that being said, handwriting, (laughs) we're working on handwriting. (laughs) So they have these little things that I order. I wasn't able to get a full class set, but they're called um, pencil, something that helps them hold the pencil the correct way. That's definitely something.
0: Pencil grippers, that's what they're called. Pencil grips, got it. Okay, sounds good. So for my listeners that are listening on Mommy and Wild Black, if you are interested in donating to Jamie's first grade class, definitely feel free to reach out to me, hit me up on social media or on my website. Um, The website is www.mommying, so M-O-M-M-Y-I-N-G, Wild Black dot com or on instagram at mommy ing again m-o-m-m-y-i-n-g wow and then it's b-l-k so there's no a there's no c so mommy and wild black um so hit me up on uh the website or uh on the dm um on instagram so if you want to donate to her class so that we can you know, be a blessing to her class. Um, we're definitely obviously, you know, my son and I, we're gonna donate uh books to the class. Um, hey, but definitely also,
1: the LSU. we're the LSU Tigers,
0: so. <laughs> <No> tigers <laughs> already, 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 already. Um, and so, uh, we definitely want to do that, and then, um. Uh, one last thing that I do want to just close out on. Um, and my, my last and final question is how do you juggle, um, or have that balance, right? Because you do have a husband. I know we focused a lot on the teaching aspect, but you do have a husband. Um, you do have children. And so I know a lot of times, uh, I've not been married, so I've heard, um, but I've also seen right with my siblings Um, or other family members, where a lot of times when you do have a child, you bring that other dynamic to the relationship, right? And sometimes that can make, you know, it tough on marriages. Um, Even tough with with other children, right? When you have multiple children, because one feels they get more, you know, less attention than the other one. Or you holding one, so now everybody want to climb on you, kind of thing. And so, you know, a lot of times you're trying to juggle teaching and being a mother and being a wife and yourself, you know, and that's not to mention if you're somebody who's involved in church or, you know, wanting to work out, lose weight or have some other things going on in your life. So, um, how do you, how do you juggle that, uh, work-life balance and, um, and, and, you know, how do you, and more importantly, like, if you're a person who creates a list of how you do that, what happens if that list is not met? You know, so what what do you do to, to maintain?
1: Yes, I'm definitely a list person. Um, I have to write things down and I do that in order of importance. So what needs to be done today? Make sure I get that done, whatever can be done. The next day or the end of the week. That's how I like to plan. Also, routines, routines, routines. Not only in my classroom, but at home. Um, My kids have a routine that they follow where, you know, we eat dinner. They take their baths, go to bed by a certain time. Once they're in bed, that gives me time to relax. Um, Also, you know, spend time with my husband. Um, That's definitely important. And then some nights I just need some me time. You know, I have my glass of wine and I just sit and watch me a show on TV and relax. So I would say for me, those are my two biggest things. Planning by running lists and having those routines together.
0: Good stuff. All right. Well, that concludes this episode of Mommy and Wild Black. Thank you so much, Jamie, for giving me your time, especially on a Sunday. I know this is like technically lesson planning for the week um day so i definitely appreciate it um it definitely gave me an opportunity to get some insight into that area uh, of your world that i don't know um about and thank you also too for just you know your willingness to just move with the spontaneity and let me ask the questions that i want to ask without you knowing ahead of time what those are um so thank you again for being on um Again, um, if you want to donate to her class, again, definitely reach out to me at www.mommyandwildblack.com or on Instagram at mommyandwildblk. Um, Thank you so much for your time, Jamie. I'm glad we had you on. Definitely kiss the boys for me and tell the hubby I said hello. And yes, uh, thank you. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. And have an amazing week.
1: Guys, guys.
0: Can you say bye, Bam?